Thug Shaker, Santos, Hamas, the Chinese balloon. What do they all have in common? Well, they are part of our 2023 year in review, the third annual with the cosmic Kevin Ryan. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, and Craig. everybody to the politics 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 program for wednesday december 27th 2023 year old pal justin robert young and we are bringing this year on in to the station got to clear out the old models because we've got new 2024s to get off the lot for you next week but that means we need to bring in the one, the only, the cosmic Kevin Ryan to go over all the stories. We've done this for three years in a row now, and I can't wait to begin this one. Welcome back to the program, Mr. Kevin Ryan. Our third, third annual year and review episode. I love it. Yeah, two, two is an accident. Two is possibly an accident. Three possibly. is a tradition. Three now it's a tradition. And now people are going to say it's not the end of the year unless Justin and Kevin go over one story each month. Oh, yeah. And boy, do we got a a, a wide variety here. <laughs> do what a have, year. Do we have a a uh, uh, some some fun stuff, some serious stuff, and a lot in between? Let's begin with January, shall we? Okay. Nearly one year ago, as this is our New Year's Eve episode, January started off with a bang in politics. The election of Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House of Representatives occurring only after a, pro- a prolonged and historically contentious election process requiring 15 ballots to reach a conclusion. And might I say, a solid week of content. You know, when you're looking to get get your content year started, just absolute, it was C-SPAN gone wild. Remember that? Because it was before the swearing into the speaker. So C-SPAN was allowed to just have their cameras all over the place and actually looked exciting and, and <laughs> awesome uh, as opposed to the lockdown shots that they uh, eventually had to settle to McCarthy's victory ended the deepest congressional dysfunction in over 160 years at the time and marked a significant shift in the U S political landscape because he had to make extensive concessions to hardliners in his party to secure his position. Of course, in October, Kevin McCarthy was, ousted as speaker (laughs) and uh, as we speak right now he is no longer even a a, an elected representative in congress he is out he has gone back back to cali cali and he (laughs) will not be returning to dc at least in the immediate future kevin the entire house of representatives saga what do you got 
Man. Okay. So first of all, the one of the things I love about this is like I go in blind. Yes, so, like, you don't know the stories. I you love don't know. It. Um, and there are so there are always so many stories. Uh, it's like okay. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, like what's the precedent on the like the shortest? Does this rank among the shortest tenures? Yes. Oh yeah, okay. no, no one's ever been ousted like that before. No one's ever oh, like like the the motion to vacate was a thing that had to come back. Pelosi, it came back when the last time the, that uh, the Republicans were fighting amongst each other around the Paul Ryan era, and then Nancy came back and she's like, "Enough with this! I am not leaving this handgun out <laughs> on the kitchen table, so I'm going to hide it." Uh, and she was able to, cause she was a better vote wrangler than I think anybody that we have seen here on the Republican side in a while. Yeah. Think what you will of her. It comes back because Kevin McCarthy says, I'm going to be the speaker. So we're just going to have to negotiate. It obviously takes a long time. There is a lot of coverage. And then Kevin McCarthy is ousted. This marks a historically unproductive congressional season, which depending on where yep. your taste of how active you want Congress to be is either a good or a bad thing. But there's no doubt that the, the incentives on the Republican side, and, and I don't think that this is unique to the, to the, to the Republicans. I think that this is going to be a bipartisan issue, but it's very much on who can keep it the most real I've I've mm. joked that this was a keeping it when keeping it real goes wrong situation, <laughs> at least in terms of the ousting of Kevin McCarthy. But nobody involved wanted to look like they were anything less than fighting for it, quote unquote. Yeah. Whatever you would like to to uh, 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 make of that. Now, obviously, you are in the media ecosystem. Some of the same media e ecosystem that. These same people uh, who were very key players in this particular story were jockeying for attention uh, with, do you think that conservative media was a part of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a real, I mean, anytime we have a, a, a showdown like that, it was like, uh, it was a real scramble too. Because like, I mean, Pelosi is a hard act to follow. Like, like you said, you know, yeah, it doesn't, you can like, we can all take our, you know, our feelings about Pelosi and everybody has a feeling about Pelosi. And I think most people have a feeling, a range of feelings that are like good and bad, you know? Yes. Um, she was, she was a war horse. She was like, uh, an excellent politician. The, yeah, there there's a a passage in the Franklin Fowler book about Biden's uh, first term, you know, uh, up to the point that it was published, where he talks about when I forget which version of Build Back Better slash whatever that they were trying to do. And essentially, it was the progressives that were dragging their feet on it. And so Biden comes down to Capitol Hill and. All Pelosi wants is for Joe Biden to get in front of everybody and say, I, the president of the United States and the leader of your party, am asking you to vote for this. This is not in the maybe zone. This isn't in the negotiation zone. This is the best we're going to get, the best you're going to get. Vote for it. 
and he goes up in front of everybody, says vote for it. But then also, I guess at that point, there was the question of whether or not there was going to be two bills. He gets up and says, vote for it. Vote for both of them, which Uh, totally, you know, uh, undoes the message because he need Pelosi needs everybody to vote on one of them. Uh, and, And Pelosi was very, very frustrated by it. But let me, I think that the, my favorite stuff about this, because these stories have been covered, yeah. so we don't need to recover them, but what is the line philosophically mm-hmm. of believing in something and then understanding that perfect is the enemy of good? And, mm-hmm. and you know, even there, there seems to be, we seem to be in a bit of a meta right now, not only just in politics, but I think in a lot of factors in life, where accepting quote unquote half a loaf is the quote unquote, the reason why we're in this mess, whether or not in, 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 in varying different areas. And I think that's, what's drawing people into a lot of these lines in the sand. I would rather humiliate myself than be seen as capitulating. Where, where do you think that line is? And, and do you have a similar sense that, that that's just a guiding light in our modern world? So the line, run that through a little bit more for me. Okay. The line between. So doing in Congress, for example. Yeah. Conservatives want, you know, whatever the the bucket of conservatives, uh, uh, conservative wants are. Border stuff, culture war stuff, tax stuff. the, the, The things that conservatives will sit down and say, if we were running stuff, this is what we would do. Yeah. They have control, not full control, but a little control yeah. with, with the House of Representatives. And instead of taking incremental wins, they want to fight really hard and blow up any of their ability to lead because they can't get everything. You know, that was Ooh. a lot of this was about gotcha. we need to balance the budget today. We need to yeah. fix the border and reform immigration totally tomorrow. Uh, and if we don't do it, then we'll shoot ourselves in, in, in the foot and cripple our ability to, to run the, the country. And so they did twice, you know, both, both at the beginning of the year and then closer to the end of the year. Yeah. That's like a, that would be a bad strategy in dating, like let alone in <laughs> governance. <laughs> Come on, but, right now we gotta get. But do you do you think that 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 we are in an era of of you know almost to the point of the you know, purity to the point of martyrdom? That yeah, that for sure. That we we it's like it, you can't be seen as a, a tactician. That's bad. It, we're, we're, we yeah. don't, we don't like tacticians anymore. We like zealots. We like yeah. uh, the 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 person that will say the thing over and over and over again whether or not they have any plan to get it done. I see. Yeah, no, that's, I agree that that's, that's problematic. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, Han, Han, Byung-Chul Han, the, the, one of the philosophers I really like, he talks about how like um, politics should, politics requires a veil and we should respect the veil and know that like th- there's some trickery that has to happen in order for the whole thing to succeed. It's like inherent to the nature of politics, going back to, you know, Aristotle and Plato. Yeah. And, and their definitions of how it should work. 
And, you know, it's like, whoa, look, they were right. <laughs> they were they were ahead of their time once again. <clears throat> they understand that, you know, you can't you can't have like uh, the gods can't be our rulers like the God, no. like not within society, at least. But I mean, we if anything, we're like subject to the to the forces of the gods. It, um, and I'm just using their like yeah, yeah, their yeah, theological yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, outlook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, it's uh, that that's a that's a good point, man. I I think the the striving for perfection. It, uh, Heaton Heaton talk. He even use Heaton uses the image of like Calvinism. Yeah, like we just have a new like Calvinist um, politics where it's like uh, there's always sort of a there has to be a sacrificial victim. <laughs> It's like, you know, it's like, I, I've seen all this before. This like, I wasn't alive for it, but I've read about it. And so uh, when, when, when you say Calvinist, what I, what immediately pops to mind to me is, is, is predestination that, that we, that, that yeah. everybody that is born, that the path of their life is written at the point of, you know, I, I don't know, uh, 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 conception or birth. I, I didn't know where uh, 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 Calvin was particularly on exactly when story, when the story is written, or maybe it's written at the beginning of time and we are all just being summoned to the stage, but uh, 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 I, I had not heard of the idea of Calvinism as yeah. being a, a sacrificial element, unless the idea of I hey, added that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that some people need to just be cannon fodder, and we have to understand yeah. that that's their role in life. Yeah, but by the way, I'm like, I can't believe I'm still like impressed like by your ability to like you know what you know you have a grasp of calvinism <laughs> like it's cool uh, it's just like we, we it just dropped in You're it's like, mostly yes, it's mostly because i was really into calvin and hobbs when i was a kid and i had to figure out why they were called calvin and hobbs that's pretty much it <laughs> i didn't know that was a there was a connection there i i guess oh, yeah, I, yeah. I never Cali- did and, and then thomas hobbs yeah for the uh for the tiger no way that's, that's yeah. wild yeah look um, at that we're so he, yeah if anybody didn't know that that's awesome yeah. Um, so Heaton's Heaton's comparison, if I and I'm going to like give you a diluted version, you know, day three. Yeah. Um, but his his idea is that um, is the like the alarmism and the idea that, um, you, you know, like the the Catholic doctrine of original sin is like Calvin takes it to the next level where he's like, yeah. Yeah, you know, we should like we shouldn't be here. Humans shouldn't be here. We're awful. We're like irredeemable. Um, so I, I think that's like the thinking error that can arise as a result of like the pursuit for uh, sort of like political the political purity that you just described. He, yeah, he can clarify it better than I can. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he can, and then he can work in another thirty minute yeah. monologue about ranked choice voting that doesn't connect to anything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder whether or not part of it is there is a tremendous amount of anxiety in our modern culture, and I don't know exactly where to pin it. I don't. I I yeah. tend to believe that a, a lot of blame tends to go to to media or social media or the algorithms, uh, where I I my gut always says we are wagging the dog. You know, it is the users, it is the readers, it is the viewers that are determining what we are seeing, and that's never been more true than with the internet. 
these algorithms are only designed to give us exactly what we yeah. want because they are maximized. There is no altruism to the algorithms. There is no wizened person saying for good or bad, this is what these people need to learn. Unless you buy that, you know, Beijing is running the TikTok algorithm. That that might be the closest thing that you get to a hand on the scale. Other than that, they are there to maximize viewer time. And they are going, if, if, if yeah. that means that we want to eat jelly beans for dinner, we're going to get nothing but jelly beans every single time uh, that we, that we open that app. And I wonder whether or not there's just a feedback loop of anxiety. We are feeling anxious. It makes us feel better when we see other people that are feeling anxious, which in turn makes us feel more anxious. And if we're feeling anxious, then that means we are, we feel better when somebody is saying, I'm going to shut this whole thing down. This whole thing is going crazy. Uh, uh, regardless of which political animus feeds that desire that that's where you end up. And and that's why we get into situations like we did with, with the house of representatives. Yeah, this, this, uh, Anxiety feedback loop uh, theories is interesting. I, I think it, like, I think it's part of that. I think the anxiety depression problem is like, you know, so multifaceted and and uh, multivariate. But I yeah. think that's a very, a, like, a part of its like continuing success or its continuing reign of terror. But also, um, you know, that the fact that it's like so loud. And so open, I think, is, a, you know, you got like car mechanics coming out and talking about like the anxiety they have. Yeah. And that's not a slight on car mechanics, but it's just a tr traditionally a profession where, you know, you weren't really open about your feelings. No. Uh, so it's like there is like sort of sort of a purging happening. It's, you know, we, you know, a lot of people talk about like the, the mad men days when, you know, men, you know, the strong silent type was still around. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you know, they drank themselves to death and beat their wives. <laughs> like, maybe they shouldn't have been so silent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, looked at the, the, the concept of therapy or something like that was looked at as as weakness. Uh, you know, there's somebody in in our extended family who is very old, very much a man, came from the old country, uh, had a stroke and wouldn't go to the hospital. Because Whoa. that was weak, you know. <laughs> so we've come a long way, baby. Like Virginia, well, like, 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 I like admire that Virginia though. Slims. But the dude had a stroke and was <laughs> like, "No, nah, I'll sleep it off. Don't worry, <laughs> it, it's gonna be okay." Uh, uh, well, so so you're right. Now, now, but that being said, yeah, maybe the pendulum has swung. Maybe we talk too much about our feelings. Maybe there yeah. needs to be a restrictor plate. Maybe there is an element where discussion or outgassing or venting about the things that are going on inside your head does become a detriment and not yeah. a, 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 a thing that helps you. Look, if, if, if you keep your car in the garage all the time, you're never going to go anywhere. So maybe, yeah. yes, we should be taking it in for maintenance every once in a while, but we don't need to leave it there every once in oh, a while. Yeah. You just got to get back on the road. Oh, definitely. Yeah, big time. Like, All right, let's uh, move. Let, let, yeah, let's move to February. February. This is this is a great, I think, encapsulation of the silly and the terrifying. This might uh, be 
my favorite story of the year. February, the shooting down of a Chinese high-altitude balloon by the United States. Of course, the incident garnered significant attention due to its implication for international relations and national security. The U.S. Department of Defense monitored the balloon, which was claimed by China to be used for meteorological research, but was suspected by the U.S. to be spying over sensitive areas, including military bases, where it was found. The incident led to a diplomatic crisis between the U.S. and China and resulted in the postponement of a scheduled visit to China by U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The event marked a notable moment in China-U.S. relations during what was a continued year of transformation between those two or these two countries. Now, I found this one fascinating because, number one, it's a big old silly balloon. So if you're going to think of a whimsical item in our, our world of storytelling, that is the least threatening it is uh, maybe next to the falling feather in Forrest (laughs) Gump, a lost balloon drifting uh, uh, hither and yon. And yet this one, yes, exactly. And yet this one possibly could start world war three. And there's a lot of, We don't know why this is happening to this story. It was floating over the United States for several days. The U.S. government was not really saying what we could or should do. It winds up going out over the Atlantic, and that's where it gets shot down. But what do you read from this, the Chinese Um, spy balloon incident? No, I'm glad that we're categorizing this under hilarious because the whole thing was funny. Uh, and I also love like the response from the public of like, we know it's not aliens, guys. Just like shut oh, up God. about the aliens. The aliens. Like, we know, yeah. you know, it's like that. You know, that's get that's getting slipped into the news cycle every time. And I forget what. What, like, do, you, what do you make of the alien stuff? Because that's yeah. not on the list here. Because I think it's something incredibly stupid. Yeah. No, I I think philosophically, like, I think a cool thing is happening where it's like this society of the spectacle, like the spectacle isn't working anymore. It's like the public, like the, the, the peasant class has decided like, oh no, we, we can see how many there are of us. We can, and we know that we're a little different in, in various ways and politically and all that. But I think that's one of those ones that all of us and public opinion's tricky anyway. Like there's not it's like it's like advertising. Half yeah. of it works. We just don't know which half. Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I really didn't know what to what 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 to take from this because what do you you know, we don't we still don't know what it is. And I guess this yeah. is this is the one that if there was a serious thing to take from it, is that I for sure know that the most consequential thing that could happen in my lifetime would be a military conflict between the United States and China. I don't think that there's anything in my conceivable brain uh, that, that could happen that would be more consequential than that. It would affect us economically. It would affect us militarily. It would be for the rest of our natural lives. We would be feeling, feeling the ramifications from it yeah and yet i don't know how close we are i don't know whether or not this was a, a, a serious thing i i do know that we're three years out now from covid and we're still arguing about whether or not 
it, it escaped from a lab for which they there's a lot of evidence for yet they will not admit i don't know when when they're shutting down cities i have no idea whether or not it's because there's another covid happening or they're just being china there's just so much that i don't know and i don't feel reassured either by our media or by our government about it yeah it seemed like um it seemed like back to the idea of the spectacle it seemed yeah. like there was like, hey, we got some. Look at this huge thing we have in our hands. It's massive. It's going to just blow your minds. It's just it's life changing. And they open their hands and it's a peanut. It's like <laughs> it's a, and, and it feels like, yeah, it feels like a distraction. I forget what else happened that week. I think there was like some like there was a Trump hunter uh parallel like well we're gonna you know, we're gonna we're gonna get to we're gonna get to uh march but uh uh march march begins you want to know what we're, we're, let, let's just go ahead and get to it now our march story the prosecution of donald trump for hush money payments paid to stormy daniels it marked the first time that a former u.s president was indicted this happened on march 30th he was indicted by a manhattan grand jury uh, following the indictment, Trump uh, traveled to New York City and surrendered in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office in April. After his arraignment, he returned to Florida. Of course, that was the first of four indictments for the former president, the last of which in Fulton County, Georgia, earned him a mugshot, another first. Yeah. But we can tackle this however you'd you'd want because it was... I think probably the biggest, along with the House of Representatives stuff, uh, change in the way things normally go. Yeah. You know, we 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 went from a point with uh, you know Hillary Clinton and the emails and the leaked stuff and Anthony Weiner's laptop, where there was a lot of concern about when and if certain cases should be opened and federal law enforcement should be looked at as interfering into a ongoing election to a lot of interaction between law enforcement and what uh, uh, was then and is now an ongoing election. And we're going to see a lot of that play out in 2024. And there was nothing that made Donald Trump more popular than getting indicted by the numbers not only did he get more popular with Republicans, but also, and and who knows, you know, how much you can untangle inflation, uh, the fact that the, the, the border has become more of a bipartisan issue, but Donald Trump is more popular amongst independents than he was before. He is more popular in the swing states than he was before, at least according to polling. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that that first uh indictment was like that was a spicy appetizer, man. That's like we're not we're just we're just just getting our appetizers for like in the I know. 2024. It's like, yo, you got to slow down, guys, like and also I just can't believe that it's gone on too long this strategy of um just like attack 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 where it's like if you really want to deflate and I know it's more complicated than this. But, like, if you really want to deflate the Trump balloon, like, you just you kind of have to ignore it. You have to ignore him. Um, 
Well, you know, it's easier it's easier said than done, especially oh, if you are if you are not doing well to say to turn your back. And by the way, that was the strategy of Ron DeSantis. Meatball yep. Ron did not want to deal with Trump. He had yeah. his back turned. He was saying, "Look, I'm I am a super popular governor. I am going to do what Donald Trump cannot. I'm going to legislate." I am going to ignore the fact that Donald Trump is attacking me every single day. I'm going to ignore the fact that Donald Trump announced for president three months ago, and I'm still theoretically going to announce in in, in the next month. And guess what? It ruined his campaign before it even started. He he, he sank like a stone at that point. So I, I, I tend to agree with you that that's part of it, that you can't play by Trump's narrative if you want to beat him, but DeSanctis tried to take the high road. And now against all odds, DeSanctis is a nickname. Oh dude, for sure. And it's like, how that's a good point. And meanwhile, Trump is like, the boots are fake. (laughs) (laughs) They're fake boots. There's their heels. He's wearing heels. The man is wearing, it's he's a heckler politically like he's a heckler and it, you're right that it does work he wasn't even on the stage for he hasn't been on the stage for nope. the, the the republican debates not once not once he hasn't he hasn't gone up there i don't know how much it would have mattered uh yeah. at, at at this point but yeah it's it's i don't know what to make of the political reaction or the public opinion opinion reaction. Let me ask you this. I hate to put you on the spot here. No, I love but just just spot. to illustrate just to illustrate a point. Can you remember the four cases that Donald Trump has been indicted for? Oh man, Stormy, Stormy's uh, one in New York, uh Georgia was the was the mugshot election was that election interference? No, not election interference, but uh you got it. Georgia. It was election interference. It was, it was, it was, okay. it was January 6th. Yeah. Georgia. It was, yeah. There, there was Arizona. The fake no, Arizona. The other two okay. are federal. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. What are the other two? There's another January 6th case. That's oh, federal. So okay. one is in Georgia. One is federal. Uh, and then there's the Mar-a-Lago docs case. Oh, I forgot about Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Oh man, was that this year? He got indicted this year. Okay. Going into 2023, we did not know how many of the four he would get indicted for, and it wound up being four for four. The raid was 2022. The raid was 22. Okay. And then the indictment comes down in 23. How is I don't he, know. He's still I, like drawing surreal events. Like well, he mean, hasn't been on the road a lot. That's yeah. one of the most under, we're not going to do a ton no, I mean, of like stuff surreal here. as in he somehow oh. manages to be continually surreal and it's Involved, like, yes. Yeah. It's like being like something that's surreal immediately, immediately becomes unsurreal. Like once it happens, you know, it's like once it takes your breath away and you regain, regain your breath, you're like, well, that was surreal. That was strange. I, you know, I would tend to agree with you, but for whatever reason, there is obviously an element of this country, a non-significant element of this country 
that is continually horrified, many listening. Yeah. Uh, and th- the only question is whether or not, A, we go back into that dep- depression and anxiety spiral where you are incredibly depressed that more and more people seem to like Donald Trump right now, or we have not done enough. We have not done the thing. And that's where I think you see a lot of the defense of what happened in Colorado, where they out and out removed his name from the ballot because the court determined in a, in a split decision that he was an insurrectionist. And, and so you can apply the civil war era statutes to that because that was the thing. The thing that needs to happen. If, if people cannot understand that he is an absolute danger, then we need to remove the choice from them while democracy is on the ballot. So, you know, th- this is, this is uh, the, the, the crazy situation that we find ourselves in. For many people, yes, he is surreal, but he hasn't lost his edge. He is still terrifying yeah. people. And he is, uh, on, on the other hand, he's got his core base that will never leave him. That they will leave the Republican Party before they they leave him. He is their dude. That's it. That's all. Yeah, that's that's part of it's pretty wild. And um, there were a ton of on the right. There were a ton of books that came out just basically examining this. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the most interesting to me was the Alan Dershowitz's book from this year. I think it was Get Get Trump was the name of it. Which one? Right. That dude writes like five oh, books uh, a month. He is sharp, man. He was on. He was. We we almost had him for the podcast on the the week that you were gone. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> and he then he just like then it, you know a lot the news cycle kind of pulled him back to Fox News. He had to write a book immediately. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like no, but I'm I can't be off it. I'll write a book about it. Uh, yeah, and get Trump. He just like basically. I think it's a pun on the, you know, uh, get shorty. Uh, no. Um, or I think it's a play on the idea of like, OJ's like, if I had done it, um, Oh, gotcha. 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 <laughs> Cause, uh, it's like, uh, Dershowitz the theme of saying, the book. Yeah. Uh, how, like, how, oh, oh, so this is like, if I had how he would, oh, how, oh, he, how he would represent him. Yes. This is the case I would lay out. And he, gotcha. he goes into, I think it's like, the 14th amendment is the one that there's th- that is kind of being used against uh, Trump. It's been a while since. I've yes. Read it. Yes. But it's a, it's an interesting book. And Dershowitz is like, cause he, he has like a, you know, a policy of like, he only represents a person one time and he's already represented, trying represented Trump during the second impeachment or the first impeachment. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of lays out the, uh, and in true like Dershowitz fashion, there's like some drama involved and some spectacle. And he's like, you know, you really feel like you're on the, there's a lot of like, Oh snap. Like yeah. while you're reading it uh, moments. Uh, yeah. That was that, the, the Trump, the Trump legal situation is just full of surprises. I, are they, are they surprises anymore? Does it surprise you? Yes. This yeah. this year surprised me. It, it, it surprised me. The thing that I found unsettling were not the federal ones. Agree or disagree with with the the Mar-a-Lago docs case. The the best defense that I can summon for that is that 
everyone was doing it. <laughs> so yeah. I, 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 if everyone's yeah. always doing it, then how do yeah. I know when you're being serious? Even if, you know, from, from a, a every man's perspective, when the federal government asks for their stuff back once, twice, three times in writing at a certain point, you should probably hand over the, the, the stuff back, but still that would be the best defense that I could think for that. I don't know the legal underpinnings of it, uh, this is just the court of barroom opinion that I would be the the counselor for. And then the January 6th stuff, look, you can look at it. To me, that that all boils down to exactly how serious you believe he took the idea of fraud and wh- yeah. where the burden of proof is legally for how much he needs to have evidence given to him that he is not allowed to believe that anymore. Uh, and and so therefore he is not going to go through whatever legal machinations that he is to try to preserve what he thinks is a miscarriage of justice or, or to remedy a miscarriage of justice. The two that bothered me were the local ones, mm-hmm. the Fulton County one and the New York one, because those were two district attorneys elected on the campaign promise of convicting Trump. Yeah. And that's where I think we get into dicey territory, regardless of what we think of the standard of evidence in either trial. I think George is stronger than New York. I think we've thoroughly litigated the Stormy Daniels stuff. And if your key character witness is Michael Cohen, good luck. Yeah, uh, He's been on every side of this particular issue yelling as strongly as he is now on every side of it. He's been called a liar by every side of it at a certain point. So doesn't seem like the strongest, most compelling evidence to me, but still it, it's the idea of district attorneys running on it, getting yeah. elected on it. There being an electoral benefit to saying, I'm going to put your uh uh your least favorite politician on trial. I'm going to I'm going to lawfare my way into your heart. It's why I I I'm not a gigantic fan of Ken Paxton here in in Texas. Mm-hmm. I think he does the exact same thing. Uh before we get into whether or not he's corrupt. And so that's that's where I I'm not a huge fan cuz once we start eroding the rule of law. Yeah. Boy, do things get messy and, and we don't really have a referee to get us back into the game. So th- th- those, those are, those are my general kind of philosophical thoughts on it. That, you know, the, the Dershowitz point that he makes this, which is really interesting. And it's, you know, it goes back to like yeah. the state of exception with how good uh, the peanuts overall. were on the Epstein plane. <laughs> say were, what you will they about weren't them, ripe but they were but they were <laughs> exceptional peanuts yeah. hey, Look, man, there's a lot there's a lot that's been said about jeffrey there's a lot that's been said about jeffrey but when you have these cashews when you have these cashews i dare i defy you <laughs> Yeah, the scuba diving on the island. Was oh, you know, it's crystal clear water. <laughs> Say what you will. Say what you will. Bill Gates, man, he is a very, very <laughs> fond of. You want to know what? Hell of a backgammon player. 
Hell of a backgammon player. <laughs> Gates. He's yeah. a real tenacious backgammon player. Anyway, oh, go ahead. Man. Is, is Epstein on the list this year? No. Is there a, he's, uh, he's, okay. we're, we're, we're years, we're years beyond Epstein at this point. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's, um, yeah, it's hard to shake a, uh, an Epstein. <laughs> it's well, hard. well, now it's back because like, now the, 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 the passenger list has been unsealed. So, so that yeah. would be. That would be the modern news hook. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> another another silly story in April here. Thank God. The Pentagon document leak representing a major breach in U.S. security. Classified foreign intelligence documents uh, for the United States began circulating on platforms like Twitter, Telegram, and 4chan. Why? Well, because Airman First Class Chuck Teixeira of the Massachusetts Air National Guard photographed these documents at home and then posted them to his Discord, Thug Shaker Central. I think we actually talked about this yeah. when, it, when it happened. It remains to me one of the most generationally defining scandals because we've never really seen this world where clout online clout means so much, which I think at the time we talked a lot about whether or not online clout meant a lot. Let me flip it yeah. for you as we, as we move here to the end of the year. Is it that online clout means a lot or is it that the clout we were brought up on means less that mm. physical clout in your community clout, amongst your neighbors clout amongst your office your your career does that mean less and so therefore the idea of ruining it it just doesn't seem like that much of a risk and let me pair it with a story that just happened we had two scandals in the senate where staffers were recording themselves having the sex and not just sending it to close friends, but posting it either on Snapchat or in large dozens of people group chats. And, and, and it kind of makes you think, is, is it just, you know, these guys had a lot of what we would understand to be real clout yeah. and, and, and they risked it. They risked it, risked it for the biscuit. <laughs> yeah, that that's. I like that connection um, between the, these those two most recent scandals, Bi bipartisan scandals. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know exactly what the the political compass uh, uh, coordinates were for Thug Shaker Central, but certainly oh, yeah. the, the the two uh, uh, the the, oh, the, you know. the two that got uh, that were recorded at recording themselves having sex inside the Capitol in various different places. They were both democratic. Uh, were they both aides. Democrats? I thought one of them was Republican. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, I feel like that would have been a little louder in the news cycle if that had been the case. So that, um, yeah, yeah, no, no, um, no, the, 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 the Republican sex scandal was Lauren Boebert getting a little handsy, but at that point she yeah. didn't record it. That was recorded in security footage. And, uh, uh, in her defense, she thought she was in a blacked out theater when she was grabbing for the uh, <laughs> grabbing for the beef sticks and uh, getting, <laughs> getting groped. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a there's this concept in um, in academic literature regarding 
micro celebrity and mm. Mike micro in the sense in the sense of like the origin of the celebrity, not, not in the like quality or depth or yeah. intensity of the celebrity that all of those things have essentially remained the same, but, um, or just, I mean, it's sort of like, um, like, uh, Hannah Arendt's idea of like how power only exists within an active society and there is no power for the individual mm. on their own. Uh, so, but th- there seems to be like, um, an al- allotted amount of, of celebrity and power in any society, no matter how big, even if you're, you've got four people in a room. Oh yeah. And, like there's, there becomes like, I don't want to get Peterson like and invoke hierarchy, sure. but, um, I think there's like an, an idea of, of like, maybe it's interest. Maybe it, I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly, but micro celebrity basically says that like, um, the, 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 like the person who's able to become a celebrity now is much different. Like, uh, even down to like a super celebrity, like the, the Kardashians, like yeah. being elevated by like the, the goings on of their household instead of the goings on of their public life. So we have like a shift and it's also led to this like degradation of the private life. Mm. So, and a, a destruction of the war. Cause it you go back to the Greeks, even with especially with Plato, even though he had a different concept of this dynamic, but like there's the household and then there's the police, there's the political state, the yeah. state and the household have to be separate and, but they also have to work together. But it's like the, the state needs to know when to stay away and the household needs to know when to stay in. And this, the newest version of version of celebrity has like essentially destroyed that and like thrust us into a performance society where we're performing even like when we used to be able to enjoy being alone. Dude, that's heavy. That's heavy. (laughs) Cause I, I I will say this is outside of politics. There used to be this maxim that I would have that the guy who's on social media talking about how much he loves his wife is probably cheating on his wife. <laughs> like yeah. if, if, yeah. if you're out there just saying like, like, look at my love, blah, blah, blah. Look, birthdays, holidays. I would say maybe once a year you take a, you know, a, a, a cute picture of your, of your partner. You put them up like, oh, I love this person. That's normal. I think that that's a sign Yo, of a healthy sure. relationship. If it's happened three, four times a week, I'm like, you're trying to make up for something. There's a fight that you are, that you're trying to, 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 to win public opinion for you are, you're just being a little too loud with all this. And I would say similarly now, I I don't know how many people that post constantly that are mining and uh, excavating their personal lives so far for a, a career that, that they're doing particularly happy. And this is coming from somebody that has told probably every secret he's ever had online at some point. So, so from, from, but even then I know that there is a line for which, you know, I, I, I have my, my ministry of truth that will approve. Okay. We're going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about this. This stays inside. This can go out for, 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 for public dissemination because that on some level is my career. I worry about whether or not 
that is a lesson that is that is carrying on in our in our culture or if it's no like i'm not that successful i'm successful enough to make a living good i'm not so so successful that i'm at the top 1% and maybe what is limiting me is that i have not fully stripped mine my entire life and every little fight I have with my wife and every little drama that I have on the internet, I should be expounding on publicly uh, uh, whether or not it means that people think that I'm a great person or a bad person. Yeah. It's, it's tricky too, because the, you know, like, you know, clout has an interesting, just like celebrity has an interesting relationship to power. And I think it's like, you know, you see a you have a president who you have, you know, Clinton, who's, mm-hmm. you know, personal uh, life was uh, yeah. on display before he became the president. And then we wound up finding out even more about his oh, personal yeah. life. He's on that Epstein list. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. He, he also tried a- the cashews. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, and I think it's it's interesting to see that sort of trickle down where you have. You know, not even like uh, Congress, like Congress members, you have their aides being like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to post it. I'm going to get the clout. And, you know, what's going to happen? What can happen? Uh, I don't know if that was the psychology. Uh, Yeah, I I guess that's that's the thing. And and this is with a, a generation that's slightly younger than us. But yeah, that's that's what I wonder. I wonder if they look around physically and they're like, yeah, this is nice. It's money. It's okay. Uh, but you don't look to your, when, when that person is about to post the thug shaker central information or the uh, uh, sex tape that is going to make Amy Klobuchar demand two new chairs. Uh, uh, she's going to, She's she's going to need in fact you're going to need to buy her a new chair every month just in case. Uh Lysol, lots of Lysol. Oh my god, we're beyond Lysol. We're beyond Lysol. We're beyond Scotchgard. Although you should probably do it to those chairs too. Just in case. Uh but you are at a point where you can't think throughout your day cuz I think this would be the same for us and I'll I'll speak for you here where if we were to post something that was sensitive to our job, it would go through our head. Okay. This person that I work with, will they be affected? Will they think less of me? Will I be diminished in the eyes of my physical cohorts as opposed to, will I be delighting? Will I be educating these people that I know online? Because obviously at least in these cases, the decision was made. I need to talk to my friends online. I need to show them this thing that is either titillating or exciting or educational versus what is going to happen to everybody that I work with on, on, on a day-to-day basis. And I think that that's, that's fascinating to me because I would never, I love people online, but I need to live with the people that I'm around physically. Although maybe I spend more time, uh, uh, thinking about that than, than many others. We will be right back with Mr. Kevin Ryan. After we remind you that this show is publicly funded. 
by you. Not not funded by some organization that's going to dish out your money. No, no, no. By you. You, person, listening. Probably, there's a lot of you listening to this show, and you support this show. You go to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You support it. You get two bonus episodes each and every week. One of them on Monday morning. And guys, <laughs> I am trying to make chicken salad out of chicken spit because uh, we did a little Christmas carol for the show, the PX3 Extra on Monday. Then now forever, Lindsey Graham being the only sitting person in Congress <laughs> that decided to take time out of their holiday week to appear on a Sunday morning program. But we're not far away from this stuff being really big time. We've got a lot going on, including this. So, so look, there's no news right now. Everywhere that writes about politics, they're, they're posting their year-end stuff. People aren't covering it. But I do have some recommendations for you. There's a New York Times Maggie Haberman article. I, I usually, I, I'm, I'm often critical of Maggie Haberman. I think this is a, a, a good article summarizing some of the dysfunction amongst the DeSantis campaign. It was referred to by many as a pre-mortem. This is prime choice meat. This is about the season when very frustrated staffers start pointing fingers because they want to keep their resume clean when they apply somewhere else. I also want to let everybody know that on Politico, you can read our good friend Bill Shares way too early 2028 power ranking. (laughs) He loves doing these and I love reading them. He always stays four years ahead of where the current cycle is and tracks who is up and who is down. Go ahead and get that in your life as well. But we're not far away from real news, folks. It's next week. 2024 is here. Oh, you don't need all Lang Syne to tell you that it's time to party in the world of presidential elections. Finally, we will begin next week. Let's get back to Kevin Ryan. All right, we have two more, and that brings us to our halfway point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine them. Two names that got a lot of press this year. In May, the first 13-count federal indictment was unsealed against New York Representative George Santos of embezzling money from his campaign, falsely receiving unemployment funds, and lying to Congress about his finances. He was later hit with 23 more indictments and was expelled from Congress, the first non-Confederate or convict to have that honor. And then in June, Linda Yaccarino, previously the executive of NBC Universal, assumed the role of CEO at Twitter, taking over from a man whose name is, if not a sentence, a paragraph almost every time that it is mentioned, Elon <laughs> Musk. Yaccarino was brought in to shore up advertising, which continued to run into problems this year for Twitter. Uh, after tweets deemed anti-Semitic from Musk, many advertisers, including Apple and Disney, pulled their ad spend, leading Musk to declare at the New York Times Deal Book conference that any advertiser could, quote, go F themselves. 
He then looked yeah. into uh, the <laughs> into the audience that also had the CEO of Disney and uh, said, hi, Bob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and told him to go F himself. too. Told him specifically to go Bob. F himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, George Santos and Elon Musk. Obviously, they've been talked to death. So I will give you uh, either one of them. Any any high level philosophical thoughts on what these two characters and our fascination with them says about our culture? Yeah, um, Santos, I I know a lot less about, um, and I love I love it when you do this this um, presenting two two figures, and we do like a compare and contrast with yeah. the philosophical. I love that. Um, so. I guess I'll start with Elon. Um, you know, I did the, my most recent piece was a, a review of the the newest uh, Disney movie, Wish, which yes. is, uh, is a real stinker. Uh, a bomb. Yeah. A bomb. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I saw a meme this year, one of my favorite memes. I think it was a Babylon B thing that, uh, that Disney had been awarded a Pentagon contract because they are <laughs> among the greatest American producer of bombs. Oh man, Babylon, Babylon. That sounds like Babylon B for sure. Sounds Babylon B esque. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, they they um Disney's not doing not doing great, and no. not even like I mean for like anecdotally, of course. But I, I talked to a lot of like parent friends, and uh, you know who went the very few who actually even went to the film, and even knew that it existed, said I mean my kids were out after five minutes they were not interested yeah. in any of it which which um, by the way for those who are uh, unaware of exactly what a singular bomb wish was this was designed to be the hit that celebrated a hundred years of disney this was yeah. a huge milestone year for the company uh obviously movie making is where the 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 everything started it, it is the reason why disney is what it is and so you put together kind of an all-star team. The the folks who wrote the songs for Frozen have mm-hmm. their their songs in this one and not marketed as such, but the point of the movie is to tell an origin story that sets up a multiverse that includes and encompasses all of the Disney properties. So this was very much something that they wanted to put a lot of time, a lot of effort and and have it be a gigantic hit on a huge anniversary year for them. And it's bad by all accounts. Yeah. It, it is rushed. The songs were not, they, they, they did not have another, let it go. They did not have nope. another, uh, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. They very mm-hmm. much wanted this to be a, a hit like that. It was just a stinkeroo from every element of it. Yeah, and what's interesting is like the deeper reasons for that. Like the apparently, um, and we don't have to get into DEI stuff. No, um, go, go, go. Yeah, but I a lot of like, um, there's a great piece from this this website, Film Threat, about like yeah. um, all the um, all these fo- current and former animators who were coming forward and being like, you know, um, the the animators on a lot of the animators on wish basically the, the like equivalent of the, the, the chef who can't fry an egg. 
Like yeah. the animation was, he couldn't animate like the horse's legs during. So there were some tight cuts when there was a chase scene. Um, yeah. Just like an, pretty anti Disney stuff. Uh, so well, I that, think that, 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 that this, the, the, you know, legendary animation studio, the, the, the studio oh, yeah. that made animation a viable business model beyond these very, very cheap to produce shorts that they have lost their way in terms of doing what used to define them. And this is not only for animation, but you also saw that in the Disney owned Marvel movies where the CGI Mm -hmm. in a lot of these, both on Disney plus and in movies, not for lack of budget, were just abysmal. And, And part of the reason was not because they weren't hiring really talented people. It's because the middle management in in Disney apparently has gotten so big. And, and if you want to look at elements of, of DEI as literally just another level of decision-making that can stop momentum, yeah, then you're just giving yourself less time. You're asking for more revisions later in the process. And this gets uglier and uglier. For sure. Yes. And and I think back to the, your original question, I think Elon Musk was a sort of a wrecking ball. Like he's good about like finding the Jenga that keeps it up (laughs) and then forcing the other person to pull the Jenga that ruins the tower. Yeah. Um, So I think uh, Elon Musk was a a wrecking ball and uh, uh, Santo or Santos was a meatball. Santos like, <laughs> is Santos is a media figure. He is. Yeah. You know, th- th- uh, did you see the interview that he did with Z way on, uh, on, on YouTube? No, you should check out Z way stuff. She's very, very funny. Uh, uh, but, uh, a very specific kind of gotcha interview. She often traffics in, uh, uh, uh making white people apologize for various different <laughs> racial indiscretions, uh, but in, in a very funny, well shot way. And so she had this interview with Santos and it's interesting in a Z way kind of way, but there's a moment where she asks him, when will you go away? And he says, when you people stop inviting me to your gigs. Ooh. And then she says, uh, so the answer is to stop inviting you. And then he cold, like, you know, he has a bit of a giggly, uh, uh, a feminine persona, like slay queen kind of a persona yeah. to him. Uh, but he goes like Cruella DeVille cold <laughs> and just says, but you won't. You need it. Yeah. Uh, and I, it was the first time I watched George Santos and I'm like, that man is telling the truth. <laughs> that man is absolutely being honest because he understands the game. He is going to be a media figure for as long as he is not in prison. And either he's going to do it in this very modern way where he will just sell access to himself for $400 for every 30 seconds. And he won't care if you make him say, uh, uh, you know, furry uh, sex slang, like he has on these various cameo videos that are circulating. That's fine. It's advertisement. So somebody else will pay him $400 to shout out their fantasy league. That that'll, that'll just be what he does. Or he does a podcast, by the way, dog and pony show where we're here for you, George. Uh, uh, And he will 
be out there in, in the media that way. Hell, Suge Knight has a podcast right now. Why can't That's George amazing. Santos, even if he goes to jail? He just threatens people the whole time. Well, yeah, he can just do what he wants. Uh, uh, yeah. Elon is a very fascinating figure because in yeah. terms of their worth to society, sorry, George, Elon's created the first American car company in God knows in over a hundred years. Yeah. Right. Think what you will about Tesla. Uh, and, and there was a bunch of stuff that came out this week. These are things that should be taken seriously in terms of them handling car stuff. It happens with every car company. You cannot have a car company without there being issues with manufacturing and mm -hmm. you should get better and better about how you handle it. The reality is it's the most popular American. It's the most popular car brand tied with Lexus, which is owned by Toyota. So it's the most popular American car brand. He has created SpaceX, which has redefined what we understand is possible in terms of space travel. And then he buys this haunted house with Twitter. And so he's underwater <laughs> with the haunted house. Yeah. He spent way too much for it so he could own a piece of culture. Yeah. I think he's going to continue to pour money into it. He's going to keep it alive because he's at the crossroads of culture for as long as he does. Whether or not it is definitional, it will still continue to make news. It will always continue to make news. I believe this. You can come at the oh, king. Yeah. But and you'll siphon off elements of people like Blue Sky has. You'll siphon off elements like Mastodon was doing before Elon bought it. You, you'll siphon off people like some people on threads. But based on every time I dip in to those places, get what guess what the number one most popular thing to do is bitch about Twitter, bitch oh, yeah. about Elon, complain about all the things that you would be complaining about on Twitter. And so the fact that it is a money sink. We'll see how much pain Elon is able to bear. We'll see if he winds up bringing on other people to do it. But I don't think he is doing it to make money. I think no. he's doing it to be at the center and the crossroads of conversation. And based on this year, it's been a resounding success. Maybe a costly one, but yeah. hell, rich people spend a lot of money on a lot of things I don't quite understand. This just might be another one of them. I'm really, I'm really glad he did it. Um, and I, I would say, I would say the same if I think the, you know, the political ideologies were swapped or, or like mixed up, scrambled. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy that he sort of threw some fresh manure on it, on the, the old Twitter garden. Um, we, we, we needed a like kind of a shake up. I'm glad. Yeah. He, I'm glad he did that. I don't know. I think it's a better site now, now that all the people yeah. that complained about Elon all the time have gone to other sites. <laughs> well, now I can just portion it out. Some of them. I have. just know. I just know. I can go. Oh, no, now there's new people. Now there's new people that are always going to yeah. complain because guess what? This is the ironclad rule of everybody who's been on the internet since the early days. Nobody likes the mods. Nobody likes the admins. It's yep. just, it's, the, it's the reality. You're never going to be a good guy when you do it. You might be a good guy for a little bit at the beginning when there's new admins, when there's new mods, you'll be good for a bit, but no, you'll eventually get your time in the barrel. Always. All right. We're past the halfway point of the year. Let's, let's stay on Suge Knight actually. Oh, September. Yeah. Dwayne Keith Keefe D Davis was indicted for the 1996 murder of rapper Tupac Shakur in Las Vegas. The indictment follows decades-long investigations into the high-profile case. 
Shakur, of course, was shot after attending a Mike Tyson boxing match, dying six days later at the age of 25. Davis, who has long admitted to being at the scene, was described as the orchestrator of the attack, which was a retaliation against Shakur and Suge Knight following a physical altercation with Davis's nephew, Orlando Anderson. Anderson, who also attended the event, was beaten by members of Death Row Records, including Shakur. The attack led to the shooting carried out by Davis, according to these allegations and associates in a white Cadillac. The case gained momentum in 2018 when Davis's admissions of being a key part of the investigation. His recent indictment was brought by mixed reactions from Shakur's family with his stepbrother expressing a desire for further answers. How fascinated were you? by the murders of Tupac and Biggie. Cause I, I I'm a oh, little yeah. bit older than you, but these mm-hmm. were very like the, the defining coming of age, pop culture moments for me were Kurt Cobain dying yeah. and then Biggie and Tupac getting murdered. Yeah. I mean, that's like the f- music within the music industry. That was yeah. like, uh, it was like this, like the political environment of the sixties where it's like, they got the president and his brother like yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh like and and it was all yeah Sh- suge knight was definitely always behind it um but well, not according to these allegations these allegations oh, say that I it see. was that it was uh suge was involved and this is not controversial that he was involved with the mob peru bloods of southern california yeah and then Keefe d was involved with the compton crips I went down a rabbit hole when all this happened because there was a oh, lot man. of stuff that was circulating. And so that's where you see a lot of, okay, well, the Crips were providing uh, security for a bad boy and Puffy and Biggie when they were on the West Coast. But this was a, a elements of gang violence that spiraled out of control and because Tupac involved himself in beating on Orlando Anderson at this fight in Vegas, that's when everything, uh, everything took a, took, took a turn. There's an element of it to me. That's like, as the aliens, it's the alien spectacle. It's the, it's, that's the excuse. Cause it's like who or what commits murders that will never get solved. Like, especially in public figures. Yeah, And it's like, I mean, if it, I feel like if it had been gang warfare that spilled out of the Tyson, because it was a Tyson, the Tyson fight, right? It was the was Tyson, Tyson fight. Holyfield? Yeah, it was. No, it was another. No, it, it was the, it was Tyson versus somebody that he that he whipped the whipped the crap out of. It was when Tyson was out of jail and he was just he was like building his record back up and he was just beating people up immediately. Just like on blow. Yeah. Con- yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is post. uh this oh, is, this, this is, is post post nation post of Islam. Islam. Yeah. Oh, Cause, okay. cause, he, cause yeah. He, he converted in prison. So that's right. Um, but it was pre face tattoo. Oh and yeah. Pre, and pre ear biting. So okay. post Islam pre ear biting. Well, oh yeah. This is when we're like, he's brilliant, but he's a good boy. Surely he's a good boy now. Well, it, it, was, <laughs> it was like, okay, can he have one, can he summon his prime back after a few yeah. years in prison? Can he summon his prime back? And he was in, in that time, you had a lot of celebrity attention. Obviously boxing is gigantic at this moment. Tyson yeah. is one of the biggest athletes on, on the planet. 
Especially in that's, rap. That's it what summons huge. everything. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, remember Tupac and Tyson kind of mirror images to each other. Yeah. Both spend time in prison. Both are recently out, both return to their, to their peak. And, and so they are, they are very, very similar figures. Of course, Tyson winds up descending into infamy for different reasons. Tupac dies, but yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. I, I do buy the fact that this is a gang thing. Yeah, I can I, see that. I, 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 I don't know if it is exactly the story that we know right now. Yeah. I think mob stories of any different variety, any kind of organized crime stories. There's a lot of reasons to lie. Uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of incentive to tell the truth when you've been on the inside of a criminal syndicate. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think that the, like the, the mystery involved, the fact that there's a lingering mystery. I mean, that usually happens when power, powerful people are involved. Like, uh, yeah, crimes tend to go unsolved when the mob is involved or like the state. Uh, so I, I always assumed it was like this. I don't know why. Maybe that's like law enforcement had a role in it. But g- gang warfare does make the most sense. Well, some some. On Suge Knight's new podcast, uh, uh, he <laughs> he alleges that Puffy killed Biggie. And oh, he says. He says, well, look, when Tupac died, I didn't start rapping. <laughs> when Biggie died, all of a sudden, Puffy's a rapper. Puffy, <laughs> Puffy's got his own music career. But Puffy is, is he is, a rapper? Is now, well, not the best. <laughs> yeah. um, that being said, I mean, considering the Puffy allegations lately, holy moly, I'm going to stay away. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't see him. I don't see him. Uh, Sean Puffy Combs being a murderer, especially maybe not you a- need to listen to to Shook's <laughs> podcast more. <He's, laughs> I think I I need to anyway. No way for us to segue this way. Uh, segue. To Those are my one. favorite in, segues in any way, uh, and we could spend as much or as little time on this as you want. Of course, October marked by the invasion and attack by Hamas on October 7th. That leaves over 1,700 Israelis dead. The resulting incursion into Gaza ongoing as we record this, uh, according to the uh, Ministry of Health, which we will note is controlled by Hamas, currently stands at 20,424 dead. And I've I've read a lot of uh, analysis into this that, uh, uh, suggests that there are reasons to believe that this is accurate. Whether or not they are all civilians uh, yeah. is is another question, and probably the more relevant question. But uh, but but the the idea of five figure loss of life seems to be uh, legitimate. You want to know what struck me when I was going through this? So normally I'll go to Wikipedia and I'll just go through the year. And mm-hmm. I'll just look month by month and I'll pick out the stories for whatever reason. I was brought to an element of Wikipedia that did it day by day. <laughs> and so you get to look day by day as huh. these stories happen before. I don't know if I'm breaking news here to you, Kevin, <laughs> but 
this Israel-Palestine thing has been, <laughs> been a real <laughs> tricky problem even before yeah. October 7th this year. Yeah. You know, there was an incursion because of uh, something at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. There was yeah. a car ramming in Tel Aviv. There was a, a Palestinian shot dead because he opened fire at a settlement in, in, in the West Bank. Things were building in a oh, way that, I, I, that, that, that I, obviously in hindsight, you look back on it uh, and say, oh, well, uh, obviously it was, this was a, a powder keg ready to blow because you yeah. know what happens at the end. But at the time, you know, we had the State Department and nobody was really beating them up for it. In, in their defense saying this is the calmest that we've uh, had the, the Israel Palestine situation in decades. It was, it was strangely calm. Um, and, but then I you, be- but then you read this stuff and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, aside from the sporadic uh, uh, incursion <laughs> yeah, but- and the car ramming and the, yeah. the, the, the shootout that involves a bunch of people dead, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, but that's that for them. For them, yeah. you know, it's it's like it's like it's like, like the alcoholic that's only drinking beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, the funny, or not? It's not funny at all. None of this. Um, but I think if you can, if you want to find a moment where there weren't, there wasn't a conflict between this general, these general two groups of people. Yes, you, you have to go to Abraham, at, like at, you know. And then it splits from, you know, Isaac and Ishmael. And I think that's a crazy generalization, but you can trace a lot of these conflicts all the way back. But this one, October 7th was just, uh, man, just like devastating just to. Well, and that was, was, that was the, the, the thing watching the aftermath and seeing everything the conversations that I was having with my friends that, you know, I, I, I know are read up on, on this situation was just like, you just knew that the rubber band was going to snap back and it was going to be horrendous that we were going to like the saddest part of that moment was beyond the dead there knowing how much more there was to come. Yeah. Because there was no way that anybody that, that Israel was going to take it, you know, uh, uh, say whoopsie, you know, no. they, they weren't going to look, they, they, they weren't going to go file an extradition report <laughs> with Hamas. <laughs> they're like, Hey, you guys need to turn over the people responsible. That was never going to happen. Uh, and, and now we're in, this slog that we don't know how long will go and has created a lot of ripples politically here in America. Yeah, definitely. A a lot of different lines that are, that are drawn with this. And, you know, it's been a hard thing to even cover. It's been a hard thing to cover on PX three. It's been a hard thing on my show with uh, Andrew Heaton and Jen Briney, you know, uh, uh, because I'll tell you this, Kev, the market of the uh, ideas on this one <laughs> booming bustling oh, man a lot yeah. of different points of view yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say that uh charitably because oh, there, yeah. there's there's some emails that come in that I'm like oh my god really jeez yeah 
Oh yeah, if you want to ruin a ruin a party pretty quickly, you bring that up. Um, yeah, it, this, just, do, just do a real quick for or against around the table during uh during. How do you during, feel during, about abortions in Palestine? I'll tell. I would rather talk about abortion. I would rather yeah. talk about abortion than I would yeah. Israel Palestine at this point. I would rather do Dobbs. Uh, all right. Well, then we will try uh, uh, to keep it going. Obviously, this is something that is not a hypothetical or a philosophical. This is happening right now. So uh, there will be much more to discuss about. Yeah, it. I hope need to be mentioned. No, I hope I just hope that things get better. It's, I mean, you and I, you know, when stuff like this happens, we got to go through the footage. Uh, yeah, we oh, watch and that that was I just hope things get better. I, that's like such a I, yeah, well, you want to know what I, I I I would even push back on that because I don't think things get better there I think the yeah. bad things end Ish. and and yeah. and or they pause yeah it's been a fraught region and and that's the biggest thing to me that I've come out of it especially because we were we were abroad for a little bit and we were in the Balkans and and I'll just say this the the Western sensibility that we have in America, which is different than, than the Western sensibility that they have in Europe. Yeah. Is a gift. I very much appreciate it. And when I am outside of the country, especially when I am in certain other areas where mm -hmm. uh, culture's older yeah. and there is wisdom, you know, quote unquote, that is built in about, you know, we were in the Balkans. That's a place where mm. Yugoslavia has split so many times because on religion and ethnicity, there is a belief that they are very, very, very different. Yeah. And they have fought and killed each other over it repeatedly. Genocidally. Despite like, the fact that they're really not all that different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that they are about as different as varying different neighborhoods in Brooklyn are. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, that they have about the same amount of difference uh, probably less difference than, than some neighborhoods or uh, in, in big cities in America. Yeah. So I am, I am happy that we have it at the same time. I don't believe that we can one for one understand their culture with our understanding of culture. Well said it is, it is, it is just different and it doesn't, I uh, I'll say I like ours better. If, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm choosing Mac or PC, I'm going to go with the Mac side on this one. I just, I like the way that we do things. I just like the way the operating system makes sense to me. It makes yeah. sense to me. Uh, uh, I'm well going to bet on us, but in the middle East, it just ain't the same. And to think of this, like we would think of things in a Western lens beyond just our baseline humanity, which yeah. I, I totally subscribe to. We should very much understand that a loss of life is a loss of life. And it is horrific. But trying to understand the mechanics of it without understanding that this is a lot more zero sum out there oh, than yeah. our game of fractions of and 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 the stuff that we that we cherish. I don't know. It's hard. I, I can't do it. Uh, apparently a lot of other people can. Good, good for you, is all I would say. <laughs> In November, Sam Bakeman Freed, a former cryptocurrency mogul, was found guilty by a New York jury on all charges, including fraud, embezzlement, and criminal conspiracy, liked to the collapse of his FTX trading platform. The trial lasted five weeks, and Bankman Freed now faces up to 110 years in prison. 
Prosecution highlighted a central role in the disappearance of $8 billion from FTX, arguing that he knowingly funneled funds to his personal hedge fund, Alameda Research. Defense claimed Bankman Freed acted in good faith, but was let down by financial mismanagement by associates. Key testimony came from his former associate and on and off girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, who admitted to stealing around $14 billion with Bankman Freed to support Alameda. The Weirdest end of villains. FTX. Oh yeah, what a what a putter. Uh, <laughs> that was like the weirdest. Those were the weirdest villains I've ever encountered. The cryptocurrency gang. Yeah, yeah. What about the them? crypto? The crypto gang. The crypto I, gang. They were just like. I mean, go, it, it was also very generational. Like you you said about Thug Shaker. Mm-hmm. This yep. was like. A uh, uh, crypto thug shaker situation with this. Yeah. The Bankman freed thing does remind me more of the Trump documents thing mm. where it was people for whom are so ensconced in privilege. Yeah. That they look around and they're like, well, you know, What's what's really like this dude came from the, you know, Berkeley Hills. Mm. So his parents are bundlers or Democratic bundlers. So they are plugged in to the levers of power. Yeah. They understand, hey, the way that you make sure that everything is on the up and up is to give a lot to politicians and to make sure that you are in the that you're in the conversation whenever regulation is talked about. He then works in finance. And is like, oh, okay. So in finance, it's it's catch as catch can. You're not allowed to insider trade, but that means you know you just got to have a fuzzy understanding of blah blah blah. So I think he just got sloppy for reasons that there's not a lot of examples of. Like, hey, sometimes you go to jail for breaking the rules. Sometimes yeah. when when this amount of money is liquidated, someone's got to pay. There just weren't, and 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 I would say that the the docs case. I know it's not the same thing, but even in the most charitable explanations that I would have for Donald Trump, it's basically the everyone's doing it, and so yeah. there was nobody, nobody got nailed. Not one. Dan Quayle didn't get a speeding ticket for accidentally having a a, 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 a file that he shouldn't have kept, right? And and I feel like that's one of those things where, especially when you're talking about high privilege, mm-hmm. you, you need a sacrificial lamb. Every yeah. here and again. So you don't get these big, big, big problems. And this was a situation where the money got too big. He kept trying to figure out how to keep this Ponzi scheme afloat. And, you know, the, the most unremarkable part of the story was that it didn't really have a lot to do with tech. It was mostly yeah. just about fraud and embezzlement, just out and out fraud and embezzlement because nobody, I don't think he genuinely thought he was doing anything wrong. He just thought he was trying to keep this thing afloat and didn't even realize that what he was doing, he was so sloppy. He didn't realize what he was doing was illegal. That's my read on him is he's a no. big fat idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like And sometimes that. big fat idiots need to go to jail. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes they do well in jail. Uh, I think that, he'll do fine. I think he'll he's be got, right. got enough His connections. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll be okay. 
it, I like that take though. Cause I think there was very much an element of like, it's like the Chappelle j- chip joke. Like, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that. You <laughs> I know? didn't like, know I couldn't do that. <laughs> it's like, I think he thought yes. that would be sufficient. Um, what do you think about like the, like, cause in conservative media, one of the big stories was like d- the dark money that yes. he was just sort of, like you said, a sacrificial lamb for the dark money b- being poured in like prime, obviously through, I don't know if it was DNC and it was like different well, campaigns. Well, he was the second biggest donor to After Biden 2020. No, uh, Bloomberg. No? Oh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Now, th- this is the difference. So Soros is the dark money side. So uh, for, for those of you who are, are, you know, there is money that is tracked by the Federal Election Commission. And then there's money that moves through so many shell corporations that you don't really know where things are coming from, or yeah. they go to outside organizations that don't need to be tracked because technically they are not in the arena, even if they are only spending their money to influence certain public opinions on varying different stuff. So like Bloomberg was the number one donor for Biden 2020. Number two was Sam Bankman fried and his parents have done this. They've, they've been bundlers for a really, really long time. They, they have been part of the connection of tech money going into the democratic party for a long time as long as that has been a fruitful tree to pick from. It's uh, Sorry. Yeah. But, but, but he was, he was light money. He was not, he was not dark money uh, uh, for whatever you consider the, the, the difference between the two. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, it's interesting to bring up Bloomberg cause he like was sort of a, a sacrificial lamb in his own sense too. I was reading, I forget whose take it was, but they were just talking about how he was sort of like used in 2020 to boost Biden. Um, yeah. That was like his kind of a late appearance, throw a bunch of money at it, uh, hop up onto the altar, take the sacrifice, and Biden will I throw. I don't buy that. I don't yeah. buy that. No, I I genuinely think it looked like Biden was dead. And I will say from the belly of the media beast, as I was sitting in the MSNBC hotel uh, where all of the liberal media elite were gathered uh, to discuss the results of New Hampshire, the mood in that bar was Biden's dead. Biden needs to drop out tonight. He had fled New Hampshire to go to South Carolina. He was looked at as DOA and Bloomberg was the moderate savior. Because yeah. the thought inside political circles was this is Bernie Sanders is to win unless there is a moderate consolidation. And so if Biden was being rejected, then Bloomberg could say, OK, well, I got a bunch of money. I can do it. Bloomberg gets bodied by Elizabeth Warren on day one, the first uh, debate that they have out in Las Vegas. That was brutal. He Turns out he's not ready for prime time, no, no matter how many billions he has. He spends a gigantic fortune so he can win one delegate in American Samoa, uh, uh, a legendary expenditure. But I don't believe he was a sacrificial lamb for Biden, in my opinion. He he was he he legitimately thought he was going to win uh, or at least ha- had a shot it, because it was like Biden was looked at as a lame, too, right? a lame, a lame duck. Well, yeah. he, had, he had flirted with it a while. Like he, he still has one of the biggest analytics operations that a lot of candidates rely on. So he was looking at his numbers and saying, 
If Biden's out, then why not? Yeah. Who, who, who better than me? Who better than Mike? Was it, was it Warren or Klobuchar who like brought up the death blow of like the NDAs? Do you remember that? Oh, that, line? Was, that was Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren tried to go after Bernie for being a misogynist and it didn't stick. And she had that humiliating quote unquote live mic moment where she was, was trying to like catch him at the end of a debate. That was bad. The, the haymaker was her saying, uh, uh, you know, like she read a bunch of horrifying things that were said about women and then said, uh, uh, this is not Donald Trump. This is Mike Bloomberg. Release these women from their NDAs. And he <laughs> stammered through. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah. But, yeah, there we go. All right. We're here. We're in December. December. Now, obviously, there might be something gigantic that happens in the next few days, but yeah. we're going to end on this. Uh, the Hollywood actors ratifying a three-year contract with their studios that was uh the end of the year's worth of strike in hollywood obviously the most talked about uh combining with the writer strike which lasted nearly five months and we're gonna lump this in with uh the other high profile strike that happened which was the auto workers union a lot of conversation a lot of conversation in 2023 about collective action and about strikes what say you Man, I am, I didn't know about the auto workers one. That's uh and I love that you paired those two. Um man, let me see. I, I it's interesting cuz I think uh I think in both cases one sort of interesting connection would be like the the looming threat of AI and automation. Yeah, I, I, obviously that was talked about a lot during the uh, during the writer strike and the actor strike, and you know I'm 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 very bullish on AI. I don't yeah. know exactly where in the next three years it's going to be yeah. compared to them, or at least I don't know where it's going to be in the next three years that is going to benefit the studios. I think it yeah. would be short sighted by the writers uh, specifically to limit their own use of AI. I think that, that there's, it is a very democratized technology right now. And that's part of the fun of it is that you don't need the resources to spin something up. It kind of eliminates money advantage in a lot of different ways. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the fascinating thing to me is that this gets back to our, I guess, really depression and anxiety is the theme of 2023 Yeah, of, of this yeah. concept that, Collective action is the solution to problems at professional problems. Yeah. If you have a professional problem, it can be solved by collective action. And there's a lot of stuff that I do think can be solved by collective action, whether or not you formalize it with a union. Uh, there, there, there's a reason why I, I will probably never work for anybody else again, largely because the last time that I worked for somebody else, I was a tremendous pain in the ass. I was a good employee, but I, I was very free with what I made. I was very transparent about bonuses that I was getting when they were lopsided because the management wanted to reward certain people and punish other people. I offered to normalize. I gave away a significant portion of my bonus one year without telling my wife. Turns out that was a lesson learned. <laughs> You should tell oh, yeah. your wife before you start PayPaling that Big amount time. of money around to people. Uh, 
But I don't think that the answer is always formalizing another organization to negotiate with your boss. Yeah. Nor do I think that it is entrusting another organization to be in your best interest. Uh, These things are as unique to say that all unions are good to me is as silly as saying that all companies are good. There are well-run companies. There are very poorly run companies. There are well-run unions. They're very poorly run unions. I would say this. If your union is not run by somebody that is so detail oriented, you are blown away by their ability. If, if your union isn't run by somebody that you think could run the company, then, and is as invested in that, then I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. So for the UAW, look, those are careers that have been negotiated. You have people that are there. You have a very solid industry. People buy cars. It's propped up by the government. It makes sense, at least in the situation that we have now. Hollywood is a boom and bust industry that is driven by unions. For a lot of other stuff, especially kind of transitory employment situations like your Starbuckses or your movie mm-hmm. theaters and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, your, your, your mileage may vary, but I just hope that your union leadership is, is really, really, really invested in working at that place for a long time. Yeah, um, I think within political theory, I'm glad you framed it this way. I think it, it you can break it into like a dichotomy of like indiv- um, collectivism and like a, an individual autonomy. Yeah, um, which is like you know as we as I as you go through Marx, um, it's a real slog too. By the way, it's, it's, he's not a, it's not a not fun exactly read. a zippy read. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It doesn't snap. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't spark joy in me. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Sometimes it, it, it it's does. Not, it's not. It's not. It's not an airport reading. Oh yeah, yeah. It's unless you want to really make a point. Um, yeah. It. I. But there are a lot of ideas in and cultural advancements that have come out of it. You know, like. Um, but I think there's a definitely a difference between like you know, Hollywood writers and like advancements made in like child labor laws. Um, like I, I get it, but it's a little easier. It's a much easier to empathize with, you know, child labor laws, um, than it is with like the, the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood. But I, I also like your, your idea that like, okay, let's, let's be careful with the, the, bureaucracy here because when you start injecting that and inflating the bureaucratic it's just like you said about disney you know like if you add too much if you if your steak's too fatty you're not going to get any meat especially if you are in a situation where you're you know you're, you're 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 trying to make things happen either from the perspective of the worker yeah. or the or, or the perspective of the business. Uh, this would be my unsolicited advice. And it's something that you have to learn when you run a small business. Uh, and I learned the hard way running a Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, understand where the money comes from. Yeah, and understand why the money flows. Yeah. In anything. If you're an employee, if you're obviously running a small business, that's, that's the game from the jump. Right. But if you are an employee, do your best to understand the business model and 
actively try to dissuade yourself from believing that money just magically shows up somewhere because spoiler alert, it doesn't. And if you are in a situation where money is just magically showing up, then that means it can magically shut off at any moment if you don't understand why it's coming in. So if you're at a company, the best place you could possibly be, the Venn diagram, this is unsolicited advice, is to find that little gray area in the, in, in, in the two overlapping circles that is what you feel good doing, mm-hmm. where the company makes money. If yeah. you can do that, you will have a job for a long time. You'll have negotiating abilities for, for, for a long time. You'll have leverage. It's a good thing. If you are doing exactly what you want and you have no idea where the money is being made, you can't be surprised when all of a sudden clouds come over the sun and and all of a sudden it's just not there no more. Yeah. Or when you're worse, when you're faced with um, pressure to change your message, yeah. Uh, and which was for us, that's like, and for a lot of people, but for us specifically, that involves like changing our belief system or like yeah. c- painting over it uh, for beautification purposes. Uh, I think w- what's cool, um, and I've said this since the day I met you, is that you're you're able to achieve that, um, that that autonomy. Sorry, Mike. One-year-old's flipping out out there. I don't know if you. That's can hear fine. It. That's yeah, fine. She knows. Like, she knows. She knows that it's the end of the show. Yeah, uh, but I I love that. Um, you know the as we've talked about that our industry is collapsing. Like yeah. uh, our, our the institution of our industry. The institutions is of the industry. Yeah, the industry is doing fine. Uh, yes. with some exceptions. Um, but just like every other, uh, it's uh. A writer I love calls it like the eclipse or the uh, twilight of authority is, is taking place. Mm. I love what you're doing because you show that. Um, and it's hard work. You are like, I, you know, just being, you know, just calling in to be your substitute for a week. Oh, was yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, you. And that's just one. That's this politics. You did this, one, this one week. Yeah. It was like, I mean, you, and I know your audience knows this already, but dude, you do a lot and you work hard and, but it's like, you also are showing people like, Hey, the gig economy can work. You can do this on your own. The, the individual can do it. Obviously the, the collective element is that, you know, you have a group of people who, um, are really interested in, in what you're saying. Rightfully so. Um, it's, uh, I just think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that you're pulling this off. And then it's like, you know, the, the Disney's D- Disney doesn't have to go on forever. You know, the New York times doesn't have to for, go on for you. I hope both of them do. Uh, um, yeah. I hope they can, I hope they have a, a, you know, a healthy life and this is just a, you know, they just got the flu right now. Um, but uh, ending on a positive note, I, I think that's end. it's, yeah. it's great. What you're doing? Um, oh, thanks. Oh, well, geez, you know, I, I'm, gl- I, I I'm happy to be a part it. of it. I I love I love being able to talk to interesting people, and if there's one thing that I have found is that if you are doing what you like and you're creating authentic content, then not only do you get to talk to 
a million different interesting people and you get to go to places that uh, you never thought that you'd go. And uh, everything is beneficial. If you are open, you are honest and you are a hard worker, at least from my perspective, that would be, if we're going to provide the antidote to depression and anxiety, yeah. I will say this, and this is only for me, not for everybody, but if you focus on what you want to do, you put a lot of work into it, going to sleep satisfied with your single day's work, uh, be it professionally, be it as a parent, be it as a member of your community, whatever it might be, uh, that's, that matters. That's yeah. really important. It, it, gives, it, gives you, it gives you something that you would not have otherwise, and that satisfaction is a day-by-day, a brick-by-brick way that you, when the depression, when the anxiety, because it always comes, when it happens, at least you have a foundation. And, and that's, that's at least for me, how I look at it is I, I want to be able to, uh, the work that I've tried to do is try to give myself more gratitude and don't think that I need to uh, totally forget every win I ever have immediately because that's the hunger that drives me. No, I can say I can be happy with what I did and still move on and do something that I'm also happy with. In fact, it might make it better. Uh, and so that is, uh, that is my thought. And uh, I also am looking forward to a lot more writing from one oh, yeah. Kevin Ryan. Oh, yeah. Without, without, without getting behind the scenes. No, I don't uh, one mind. Of my, yeah. one, of my New Year's, one of my New Year's resolutions is reading more Kevin Ryan articles. Well, it's going to happen. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I uh, can make the announcement. Um, yeah, sure. I'm a, I am a feature. Yeah, yeah, I'm now a full-time feature writer. Um, hey. Yeah, yeah. So stories like, I, we haven't really, I, I haven't been to Dallas to figure it out, but uh, it's going to be, I mean, at least stories weekly, and I'm already working on um, a couple movie reviews and um, a story that I can't really dive into, but it's very investigative um yeah and i might uh might be we can talk about this later but i might be in austin for it um yeah so it's a lot more traveling uh we're gonna you know the the boys are gonna be back in town uh uh you and me are gonna be able to yeah yeah. oh no 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 that's definitely gonna happen this year uh let me ask you this on the way Mm -hmm. out yeah have you seen american fiction american fiction is that the the Jeffrey the Wright West? movie. No, no, I haven't. Jeffrey Wright, he is a frustrated author who writes this very uh, high-minded, mythologically-based fiction uh, and uh, is very frustrated by the adulation that is being given to uh, uh, books. Jeffrey Wright is, is, the, is the author, so he is black. Uh, quote unquote, authentic, real uh, black books that is personified by an author played by Issa Rae. Uh, <laughs> the book is entitled We Lives in the Ghetto. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, he, through various machinations, um, decides to write scathing, a, a scathing indictment of the genre as a parody which unsurprisingly becomes his biggest hit of all time uh, under a pseudonym. But a lot of very interesting stuff kind of mixed in there in terms of creativity and jealousy and some commentary on our modern, 
our modern era of of what is the what is the line between uh uh uplifting ver- uh, different voices versus just reinforcing horrifying and awful things that happen <laughs> to varying different communities uh but i i would love oh talk about movie reviews okay That's a kevin ryan movie review i want to yeah read. all right I'll, i will i will do it that. is it is i can do it now so you, you want to know what it reminded me of it reminded me of like those 90s before Miramax became a dirty word, but those nineties indie movies that like they're, they're saying something specific. You got to kind of work to get there. And then they make some choices that are outside of the norm. Uh, uh, and they frustrate you a little bit, but at least it, it, it's a good talking point. So I, I want to have a American fiction conversation when you, when you see it, let's do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch it and uh, I'll pitch it as a review. Look at that. Thank, thank you uh, for all the right. pitch. Well, there we go. That's it. Uh, Kevin Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, uh, at the underscore Kevin underscore Ryan or Kevin Ryan dot US as uh, some of my clips from uh, throughout my career. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. It's awesome. Good to be here, brother. Well, uh, thank you very much, man. Yeah. And that is it for us today. And really, this week, Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. You can thank Kevin Ryan for coming on this show by going to letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. You can email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet. PX3 tweets for the show and uh, clips. Got a bunch of video clips up. Uh, Justin R. Young for me. You can find me live on Twitch, px3live.com. And you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy. Letter P, letter X, number three, podcast.com. If you would like to support the show, you can do so with a one-time donation to the following places. PayPal is paypal.me slash payjury, P-A-Y-J-U-R-Y. On Venmo, oh boy, busy, busy, busy. Thank you. Big shout out to Todd Jeremy Paleo, who all kicked in cash, and I guarantee I'm going to spend as much money as I can at the bars, supporting local bartenders, in Iowa, New Hampshire, Las Vegas, and South Carolina. That Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Our cash app is PX3Cash. We actually have a cash app. Don't need Ah, yes. Donald and Adam. Thank you guys very, very, very much. Uh, also, you can send me anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. And I forgot to say this. I should have been counting these up. Stuff just got busy during the holidays. Thank you to everybody who sends me your fantastic family holiday cards throughout uh, the, the the Christmas season. We are absolutely blessed to not have a big enough fridge. 
you know, just makes me so, so thrilled to to see all of your faces and your, and your amazing families. So uh, thank you. Always keep sending those. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our Titanic $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks. Ye old pinball shop. John, DP4 Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack, and Vogue Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian Edison. Jeremy, a dog named Checkers, Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, is Dirtiness Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley Stephen, Nomadic Darren, Molly's Delightful Demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D-Laser, Nick Wood, Just Another Pilot, Middle-Aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy Montana, The Jen, D-Really, Chopper, Andrew, Adam, L, Gloria, who's my mom, Neemeister, J, and Devon, the CFP. Folks, we will be ready to go. 2024. Oh, baby. So, so excited. Finally, waiting for this. I've been waiting for this so long. I've been waiting for this since the primaries in 2020. That's how long I've been waiting for this. Because those were taken away from me by way of COVID. Now, we get another chance. We're bigger. We're better. We're more seasoned. We're doing video. Oh. We're ready to go. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm thrilled. It all starts next week. Have a happy new year, everybody. And I will see you guys next time. A reminder. That some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only program that dare to discuss. Oh, three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.